Bible reading this morning is taken from Colossians chapter 2, reading from verse 16. We'll read to the end of the chapter. Let's hear the word of God. Colossians chapter 2. Reading from verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshipping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not beholding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment, ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ for the rudiment of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Amen. We know that the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now this morning we are continuing with our series of expository sermons in the book of Colossians. And my text today is taken once more from Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17. Now I've preached in this a couple of weeks ago and we asked the question, is the Christian life by the law or by the Lord? It was a sort of a trick question. No one sort of come back and picked me up on it, but, but that's okay. Now, today, I want us to use this text, but I'm using it really as a springboard because I want to try and answer a basic and a fundamental question, and it's this. Should Christians today keep the Sabbath day, holy unto the Lord. Let me put the question another way. Are born-again Christians under an obligation to keep the fourth commandment as it's found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11? Now, the answer to this basic and fundamental question is very important. So it's not a question to be treated lightly. It's not a question that I want you to set aside in your mind as if it counted for nothing. I have to tell you it's not a trick question. It's certainly not a, a trivial question. You see, sadly, and I believe sinfully, far too many Christian churches, far too many professing Christians who name the name of Christ today, describe the keeping of the fourth commandment, it's legalistic. 
It's not for today. It's non-binding on the New Testament Christian. So the fourth commandment's to be disregarded. The fourth commandment is rejected. And today, like in Moses' day, like in Jeremiah's day, like in Nehemiah's day, Sabbath desecration is having a huge impact on the country and in the life and witness of the church. You see, sadly and regrettably, the doctrine of the Christian Sabbath is increasingly under attack. But it's not just under attack from a secular, ungodly world at large, but it's under attack from within by some within the professing church. And if we ask some in the professing church, is there a Sabbath day to be kept holy unto the Lord during the progression of any week? We're thinking about a weekly Sabbath. Some who profess the name of Christ. Now, we're not talking about liberal churches, modernistic churches, ecumenical churches. We're talking about born-again believers who profess to preach the gospel, who tell us that they believe the Bible to be the word of God, that they love Christ. And if we ask them this question, I'm speaking about pastors and elders and deacons, and, and we asked them, should Christians today keep the Sabbath day? Here's their answer. And the answer is no. Now, we have a right to ask, why? If your answer is no, and if you know of a pastor or an elder or a deacon, and their answer to that question is no, then you have a right to ask them, well, why? Why should Christians today not keep the Sabbath day? So that's what we're thinking about. I want you to think of three things. Think about the denial of the weekly Sabbath. You see, if you asked why, that pastor, that elder, that deacon, if they're honest, they will say these following things. So we're thinking about why do certain churches, pastors, Preachers, elders teach and preach that the Christian today should not keep the Sabbath day holy unto the Lord. So, so let's hear their argument. Let's try and understand their objection. Here's the first one. The fourth commandment is a mere Jewish law. It's part of the Jewish culture. It was a sign for the Jews. That's their first argument. The second argument is this. The fourth commandment is not mentioned in the New Testament. It's not referenced. It's not hinted at. Nine commands, well, well they're alluded to. They're hinted at in the New Testament. But the fourth is conspicuous by its absence. So the argument is, here's the second thing, it's not in the New Testament. Now, is that true? We'll discover in a moment. Here's their third argument. Nine out of the ten commands are moral by nature, but the seventh day is solely ceremonial and has been done away with by the coming of Christ into the world. That's the third argument. Here's the fourth. The New Testament church is not under law, but under grace. So therefore no Christian is bound by the keeping of the fourth commandment. Can you not see it? 
Not under law, under grace. How many times have we heard that? Here's the fifth argument. Did you not know it was taught by the Apostle Paul? Turn over there to Romans chapter 4. Sorry, Romans 14. Look with me at verses 5 and 6. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Romans 14 verse 6. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to, to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. So there's the first reference. It was taught by the Apostle Paul. Look at Romans 14, verses 5 and 6. Colossians 2 and 16, here's their proof text. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Now, if I was using a modern version, which I'm not, the NIV, the not inspired version, as I call it, under the heading, Freedom from Human Rules, it reads, Let no man judge you what to eat or drink, or in regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Now, can you notice a subtle change? Or of a Sabbath day. Our authorized version uses the word days. But the NIV changes it to a Sabbath day. You see, a Sabbath day is singular, one day, as if it's hinting at the weekly Sabbath. But in the Greek New Testament, it's not a Sabbath day or the Sabbath day. In the Greek New Testament, it is the Sabbaths, plural. And that's why our authorized version in the translation of the Holy Scriptures put in the words, or of the Sabbath days. Specific days are in mind. We'll come back to that. Here's the sixth argument. The New Testament teaches the Sabbath as a type of our rest in Christ. It's a part of the ceremonial law that found its fulfillment in him. Here's the second, the seventh argument. All the liturgical and ritual and ceremonial laws and parts of the Mosaic law no longer applies to the new covenant people of God. You see, on the basis of these seven things that I've mentioned, pastors, preachers maintain and preach and teach that Christians today are under no obligation to keep the Sabbath day holy unto the Lord. Now, many have bought into this false doctrine. And I'm going to tell you this morning that I believe it's wrong. I believe it's sinful. I believe it's destroying the life and witness of the true church of Christ to teach that kind of teaching. This kind of false teaching only came into prevalence around 1920. I'm well aware that the cult of the Seventh-day Adventists, long before that, they argue, of course, for the retention of the Fourth Commandment in all its fullness for a different reason. But remember this. A sinner's not saved by keeping the law, not even keeping the Fourth Commandment, 
or any of the commandments. Not the law that saves. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the Philippian jailer, Acts 17, 30 and 31, asked the question to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Acts 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But let me make it clear. I want you to understand this. It's not the ungodly or the heathen that's teaching this. It's born-again pastors. It's professing evangelical Christians. And the mindset that has crept in in our day and generation is this. It's okay now just to go to church on a Sunday morning. And then you're free on a Sunday afternoon to do what you like. The rest of the day is yours. Now that's common practice. In many professing evangelical churches, they don't have an evening service. Do you know that Carrie Duff FPC was the only church, especially during COVID times, was the only church that was open for an evening service? Why? Because the evening service has been done away with. And it's not the liberals. It's not the modernists. It's not the ecumenical. It's not the apostates. It's pastors and elders and deacons. Why? Because they no longer view the day as a day to be kept for God. Now, we have to answer these seven arguments. What saith the scriptures? I want to let the Bible speak. I have heard these denials of a weekly Sabbath. I have pondered what they've said. Not professing that I have any great wisdom or I'm a profound theologian. But I have set before you the denials of a weekly Sabbath. Seven particular arguments. Now let's hear the defense of a weekly Sabbath. You see, I believe this morning, as does the entire Free Presbyterian Church family, in the permanence of the fourth commandment. Let me read the fourth commandment to you as it's found in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20 and verses 8 through to 11. It'll come up on the screen for those who are online. Exodus chapter 20 verse 8. We'll come back to this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. So we'll ask why. Here's the answer, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. You see, I believe the fourth commandment, as I've just read it, still endures to this day. It still applies. I have to say, I believe the Bible. So I'm challenging pastors and elders and deacons with this question. Do they not also believe the Bible? Now, if you turn back there to some of these arguments, Romans chapter 14, look with me again at verses 5 and 6. Now, it's important that you turn to these scriptures this morning because I want you to see this argument. Look what it says in Romans chapter 14, verse 5. 
One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. Now here's the question. Does it mention the Sabbath day? And the answer is no. To refer to this as the abolishing of the fourth commandment, a weekly Sabbath, is reading into the scripture. It's adding something that isn't there. Because the Sabbath day is not mentioned. There's no reference to the weekly Sabbath. Paul is dealing here with the weaker brother, the stronger brother. And, and he's referring, I believe, to certain holy days and new moon festivals and, and feast days that Paul was referring to when he was writing to the church at Colossae. And that's what the weaker and the stronger brother were struggling with. Should they be regarded? Should we be following in that tradition? If you go back then to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to our text, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Notice, as I've said, the authorized version, the Sabbath days is in the plural. And in the Old Testament times, there were many special Jewish Sabbath days. Besides the weekly Sabbath, they were outside of and apart from the weekly Sabbath. And they were all typical, all ceremonial, tied into a seven-year period and tied into a, a jubilee period. There's not one reference in the Bible where the Apostle Paul mentions that the weekly Sabbath has been done away with. The Lord Jesus Christ himself never abolished it. Colossians 2.16 is not a reference to the weekly Sabbath. It's a reference to additional holy days that were called for the Jews Sabbath days in the old Mosaic Levitical system. Now, of course, these are no longer binding on either Gentile or Jewish Christians. Let me tell you something else. The fourth commandment is mentioned in the New Testament. It is referenced. It is alluded to. If you turn over there in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and look with me at verses 8 and 9. Paul says to Timothy, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. Look at verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-pleasers, men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, now let me just pause there. If you look very carefully, thinking of the words there, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. What sort of man? And then he goes in to explain. For the ungodly and for sinners. 
for unholy. Now, now, now we'll pause there. Is that not a reference to the breaking of the fourth commandment? Is it not hinted here and alluded to? In Exodus chapter um, 20, verse 8, we read, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it what? Holy. Well, what's the opposite of holy? It's unholy. And he mentions here, and the word profane. Do you see that? Let, let me just give you a cross-reference. Turn over there to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 17. Nehemiah says, Then I commanded with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do? And profane the Sabbath day. Do, do you see that? He uses the word profane in relation to the Sabbath day. Nehemiah is contending with the nobles. Why? Because they profaned the Sabbath day. There was a public desecration of the Sabbath day when he came back from at the land of Persia. The people were treading the wine presses, not one or two, but many. The people were bringing in their sheaves with their donkeys and carts, not, not silently or secretly, but, but beasts of burdens on the Sabbath day were coming out of the gates of Jerusalem. Fishermen from Tyre were coming and selling their fish for sale. The merchants were bringing in other wares. And, and Nehemiah says, are you not ashamed? Are you, do you not even know to blush? Are you not afraid? You're, you're open for business, but it's the Sabbath day. You see, here was their argument. It has to do with the economy. We need it. But economy, of course, is connected to greed and profit. What about the question of equality? The right of the individual. The right of the individual trader. The right of the individual person who wants to buy and purchase wares. Their right to their own culture. And that's all dealt with there in Nehemiah chapter 13. Read it. I, I can't expound it all this morning. But here's Nehemiah and he comes. And he contends with them. And he's asking them, do you not fear God? Are, are you not concerned about what God has said? Uh, do, do you, have you forgotten what the word of God teaches? You see, it's all about what God has said. He's contending against the false doctrine of abolishing a weekly Sabbath. He's telling them it's not a holiday, it's a holy day. It's not a day for hawking your wares. It's a holy day, it's God's day. You've forgotten this. Paul, writing to Timothy, alludes to, mentions the fourth commandment. He says, for unholy and profane. And then he mentions, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers. There's the fifth commandment. There's the sixth commandment. And then he mentions here for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind. Is that not the seventh commandment? And he mentions for men stealers. Is that not the eighth commandment? Thou shalt not steal. And what about, he mentions here in this text for liars, for perjured persons. Is that not to do with the ninth commandment and the breaking of it, bearing false witness. You see, it's all here. And here you've got the fourth right through to the ninth commandment being, being referenced to, as Paul mentions the law to Timothy. Turn over there to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. 
Let's read verses 9 and 10. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Now the word rest here in verse 9 is the word sabathamos. And you can read it in the, the margin of the Bible. There remaineth therefore a Sabbath to the people of God. That's a reference to the weekly Sabbath. There remains from what has gone before. What remains from what has gone before? A keeping of the Sabbath. There remaineth something left over from the law. And what is left over? A keeping of the Sabbath. You see, I have no doubt that you agree with me that there's ten commands in the moral law. It reflects the moral nature and character of a holy God. The moral law, I believe, is universal and forever binding. And if we're agreed that idolatry and blasphemy and dishonoring parents and lying and stealing and committing of murder and adultery and covetousness is breaking the law, then we cannot and dare not cast aside the fourth commandment. And that's the tradition, even of the Christian church. Many years that are past, the days of Edwards, Whoopi B. Warfield, Archibald Alexander, uh, Thomas Watson, and they're all agreed. That's exactly what that means. There remaineth therefore a Sabbath to the people of God. So it's wrong to say the New Testament doesn't allude to, hint at, or make reference to a Sabbath day. What about the argument that the fourth commandment was fulfilled in Christ? It doesn't mean that the law is dead. Christ fulfilled not just the fourth commandment, but, but all the Ten Commandments. Every aspect of the law was fulfilled in him. He never replaced the law. He never uh, uh, repealed the law. He, he, he fulfilled it on him. And for those who say, well, we're not under law, but under grace, it doesn't mean that the law has no part to play in the life of the Christian. We're not under the law for salvation. That's true. We're agreed. It's not the law that saves, but we are under the law as a rule of life. We're no longer under the condemnatory part of the law, but we're under the commanding part of the law. And, and our love for the law is, is evidence of our love for God and, and Christ. Remember Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And a true Christian will hate sin and love righteousness. I'll tell you something else this morning. The fourth commandment calls us to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you go back to the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 20, and what do we read there in the, the uh, verse 8? We read something that's very, very important. Something that you should underline. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The word remember points back to a reality already in place. The word remember means recall to mind. So, so here's a, 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 a reality that was already established. When? Where? Well, 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 well that takes us back to Eden. That takes us to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had the law of God written in their heart long before the fall. And not only did they learn about God's character, but they learned about God's activity. What did God do on the Sabbath day? Well, here's the answer in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Listen to these words. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. That's God's 
activity. In other words, this is what God did. He worked for six days, creating the universe by the word of his power out of nothing. Six literal 24-hour days. And on the seventh day, he rested. And he, and he sanctified that seventh day. And he hallowed it. He, he set it apart. He established a principle in Eden. One day in seven was a day for rest. It wasn't established in the days of Moses. It was not a new day in Moses. It's a creation ordinance. God established a pattern. Young people, where does the seventh day week come from? It's not an accident of history. It wasn't the French. Did you know the French tried a ten-day week at one time? As a rhythm for life, they had to abolish it because it wasn't working. The seven-day week is not an accident of history. It was designed by our God. It's part of his divine plan as a rhythm of life for men and women. Work six days and rest for one day. You see, the fourth command regulates our life. If we go back to the fourth commandment, he says, remember the Sabbath day. Not the seventh day. The Sabbath day. Now that's important. The Sabbath day was a day that was established as a day for rest and worship. Recall that to mind. You see, it's a commandment not just about rest, but it's a commandment about work. The Sabbath was instituted in Eden. God made provision for Adam and Eve to imitate him. He, he set the day apart. The Sabbath day was a day when they were free from their labor. A day to be regarded as holy. A day to reflect, yes, on the wonder of creation. But a day primarily to worship God. A day that regulates the whole of the week. A day that regulates the whole rhythm of your life. You see, the fourth commandment had a weekly application. You know that. It also had a further application. While it had a basic application to each week, it extended application to the end of a six-year cycle. Six years the land was to be worked. On the seventh year, rest. It extended to the Jubilee, 49 years. And then the principle was not only rest for the land, but even slaves and that were to be freed. And houses that were bought and sold were to be redeemed. You see, it was a principle it was looking forward to the time of rest. It is a reminder to me of creation. It's a reminder to me also of redemption. You see, wouldn't it be dreadful for men to remove the fourth commandment? The Sabbath is not just a memorial of creation. It's also a memorial of redemption and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And in the New Testament, the day was changed from seven days to the first day of the week. And how did that come about? Well, let me just tell you quickly. You've got apostolic example, and what the apostles did was very important. It's recorded for us in the Bible. And also another reason, you've got apostolic teaching. What day was the Lord Jesus raised from the dead? The first day of the week. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. When did Pentecost occur? On the first day of the week. When was Paul at Troas? Acts 20 verse 7. First day of the week. 
The Corinthian collections, when did they happen? The first day of the week, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. So these references in the Bible are very important. Matthew 28, 1, Acts 20, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. And, and John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Not just the first day, but the Lord's day it was called. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. You see, the early Christians met on the first day of the week as a memorial not to creation, but to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it became known as the Lord's Day. And their mindset was the Lord has risen indeed. The Lord of the Sabbath has come. In the Old Testament, there is a discontinuation of certain things, but also a, there's a deep-seated continuity because what I want to say is this Adam and Eve had the law of God written in their heart and they were imitating God's example for a time and it was only when Moses was at Sinai there was a further giving of the commandment and it was written down because now the people were living very sinful and wicked lives and they were being taught God's will for their lives in a new land and part of that will was to reflect God's activity. Six days for work, followed by a day of rest and worship. We're not at liberty to choose. We're not at liberty to set aside the day. Well, we can't pick which laws to obey and which laws to, to disobey. If the law of God is put in our heart, as Jeremiah 31, 33 says, and it's mentioned twice by Paul in the book of Hebrews, that God put his law into his heart and into our minds. Which laws? It's a reference to the moral law. And that moral law is in our heart and in our conscience we know when we're sinning and breaking that law. That's what I'm calling the defense of the weekly Sabbath. Bear with me. Just one little thought. I'll be very brief. A delight in the weekly Sabbath. Turn over there to the book of Isaiah Isaiah chapter 58, and look with me at this particular reference. Isaiah chapter 58. He says this in verse 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure in my holy day, and call the Sabbath of delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to rise upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I have many other references that we could think about. Nehemiah chapter 17. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 26. You see, think of this as we finish. The purpose of the day was to be holy unto the Lord. The priority of the day, it was God's day. It was a day to keep so that we would not depart from the Lord, so we would not forget about him, so that we would not dishonor him. So not only do we rest from our labors, but we come into the house of God in the day of God to worship God, to think about our soul, to, to think about the truth of God. You see, the day was appointed not only for rest, but to keep us from lawlessness and godlessness. 
to, to keep us from sin. Today, it's been secularized. And why has it been secularized? Because people don't want to come to God's house and God's day to think about him, to hear about their soul, or to learn the truth. It's not an occasion for them to remember him or to think about him. But remember, here's the purpose of the day. It's holy. The priority of the day. It's his day. And if we turn from his day, we're really turning from the Lord. We're turning from his name. We're turning from his honor. He says this as we finish in the book of Exodus chapter 13. And there's loads that I could say in this here, but I have to be circumspect in time. Exodus chapter 31 and verse 13. Underline this reference. He says in Exodus chapter 31 verse 13. Speak thou unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. It's a sign. And you see, I believe the Lord's day is also a sign. It's a sign that we're his. It's a sign that we belong to the Lord. And yes, there's benefits for us physically, but there's benefits for us spiritually. And we engage in spiritual exercises. And we're in the habit of coming into the house of God and the day of God to, to honor and hear about the Lord. And it's not only good for our bodies, but it's health for our soul. But more than that, we're saying we belong to the Lord. It's a witness to the ungodly world. It's a sign to all out there that here's a people that are gathering on the Lord's day in the Lord's name to, to meet and remember the Lord. We're, we're heralding forth a witness. But if the church is closed, then we, we can't herald that witness. I believe we do harm when we have no and little time or regard for the Sabbath. The scripture says, woe unto you that profane the Sabbath. We either delight in it, love it in our heart, or we disdain the Sabbath. I remember speaking years ago to Dr. Lindsay Wilson, pray for the Lord's servant, Castle Derg, he's not well. And I remember him saying as a young person in Tandragee that he hated going to church. He said he was brought with mommy and daddy and he used to sit there and I loathed it. And I said in my heart, I wish the Reverend Allen would shut up. I wish this service was over and I was out the door and I could go home. And how many young people think and feel like that? Maybe, maybe you're like that this morning, 15 minutes late, you've kept this, Mr. McLaughlin. But this is very important. You see, Lindsay Wilson came to this understanding. The problem's not with the preacher. It's not to do with time. It's not even mum and dad forcing me out. The problem's with my heart. I do not delight myself in the Sabbath because I don't know and love the Lord. And it's only whenever he got right with God and was restored that, that he came to a love for the Sabbath. And, and he was almost first there and last out. Why? Because he was now delighting himself in the Sabbath. You see, it's not meant to hinder us. It's not meant to harm. It's meant to help us. It's meant to be for our spiritual health and spiritual good. And I leave that challenge with us this morning. Should the Christian... Keep the Sabbath day unto the Lord. I believe the answer is yes for these reasons that I've given. May the Lord bless you.
go in and listen again, encourage your friends to listen. And if anybody wants to come and speak to me, then feel free to do so. We're going to close just in a word of prayer. We'll not sing the hymn. We'll keep it for tonight. Lord, just take what has been of thyself this morning. You know, this has been a, a more polemic, controversial subject for some. And yet we've got to be faithful to the word of God. We pray now, Lord, you'll take these few stumbling, stammering words and write them on our heart. And if we forget everything else, write the words, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Burn it into our heart and into our mind. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to be amongst those that delight in the Sabbath. Help me, Lord. Help our people. Let there be a return to thee. Lord, you know the harm that Sabbath day desecration's doing. In wrath, remember mercy. We pray now you'll part us in your fear and in your favor. Take us to your homes in safety. We pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of thyself and the communion of the Holy Spirit will be upon us both now and evermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you this morning.